If you look in your scripture, please, you want to go to um, the book of John, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a very peculiar gospel because it, it really doesn't match the other gospels, does it? It's kind of strange, isn't it? So the Gospel of John has a, a very developed idea, a more mature idea on what and who Jesus was and what Jesus did throughout. Now, the Gospel of John also, not only that, the Gospel of John also has a, peculiar, a peculiarity where he never mentions the word miracles. It's never mentioned in that book. It's organized in such a way that people can actually uh, see in it six signs of Jesus' being the living word of God. And after each sign, there is a discourse or a speech, a teaching about the sign that Jesus just made. The book is so, so unique that when you hit chapter 12 in the book, you are already in the last week of Jesus. So from chapter 12 to the end of the book is basically the last week of Jesus. Did you realize that? Some of you did? Very good. Now in chapter 14 of the book, we find a, an amazing statement. We find Jesus actually talking about his death. We actually, the first few uh, uh, aspects of the book of the chapter gives us the idea that Jesus is going to leave, that Jesus is going to come back, that Jesus is actually the Son of God. So in the first few uh, uh, verses, we quoted them yesterday as we had the memorial service for our dear sister, Rebecca Woods, who passed. And we quoted those first few lines of the chapter 14. But Jesus is also not only dealing in that chapter with him living, he's also dealing with the idea that he's not going to leave us alone. Never. So that's where he plants that whole concept, that he will never leave us alone. And in these verses, verses 15, if you know, I've been, I haven't been buying time, but I can't find the text in my computer, so I'm going to go here and read it out of here. Um, in verse 14, from verse 15 to 11, then he begins to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, we Presbyterians are very, very good about proper theology, about the theology of a sovereign God who is sovereign over all creation and who actually, who actually is involved with humanity. However, our founder, our main theologian, the esquire John Calvin, had an issue with the Holy Spirit. Calvin actually confessed in one of his writings that he was uncomfortable with the third person of the Trinity, and he actually said that he was afraid of trying to explain the third person of the Trinity. Therefore, therefore, our brand of Christianity has always been amazingly great about God's sovereignty, 
the attributes of God. We are Trinitarian. We are Christological with a very clear view on how salvation takes place. And I tell you, I hear this from others. Oh, you guys have an amazing theology. I hear this from others. And I know a lot of Methodists that have jumped the fence because of the theology. I'm thinking of one doctor in particular. And, and, and it's just an amazing statement. But we are very weak as a denomination, as a brand, as a tribe. We tend to be very weak about what's called pneumatology. What the world? The study of the Holy Spirit. Pneuma is the word for spirit. Okay? So, we're going to do a reform study on the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're actually, you're going to get tired of it. But I'll give it to you, Drips. We're going to dive into the third person of the Trinity because this last Thursday, the Christian church celebrated the ascension of Jesus Christ. After 40 days, we actually on Thursday celebrated Ascension Thursday. 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, he went up to the Father, and we find that example, that story, in the first chapter of the book of Acts. That's where we find it. But in there, he said, I will go. Actually, no, he didn't say I will go. I must go. So that the Father and I can send the Comforter. And we need to be very clear that the person who lives in us is not so much Jesus Christ, like we tell kids, Jesus lives in you. No. It's the Spirit of God that lives in us. Because as Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent the Spirit. That clear? Jesus needed to ascend because if Jesus did not go to the heavens to sit at the right hand of God the Father, the Spirit would not be sent. So it is necessary for Jesus to go up and so that God the Spirit could come down. Now, so in what era does the church live today? Oh, postmodernism. Yeah, yeah, but I don't talk. What theological era? We are in the era of Pentecost. We are in the Pentecost dispensation, if we want to use that word. Because after this one, he coming back as a judge. So we are in the period where the person, the way God relates to you and me, is not necessarily as God the Father, not necessarily as Jesus Christ in the flesh, but through God's spirit. And that's scary. You know why? Because it is uncertain. We don't have it figured out and boxed in like we have Jesus because we know what Jesus said. But guess what? The spirit's duties is to remind us the words of Jesus. So let's read this section after this introduction. Good stuff. We're going to have fun. Verses uh, 15 through 21. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor 
to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The word, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me that day. You will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he or she is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, for I too will love him and show myself to him. This is the gospel of the Lord. It is amazing how we then tend to really fall into our, our domesticated Christianity. Now, this last few weeks I've been talking about and teaching about what? What have, what have I been teaching about? Bridges. Exactly. I'm okay now. <laughs> I got my papers together. Bridges. We talked about bridges. That in order for there to, a bridge to be worthwhile, so people on both sides need to want to connect. Does that make sense? I will not build a bridge that way if I don't care what's over there. I keep on going down the edge of the canyon. Unless I'm curious enough and I have some intention of doing something with the other side, I'm not going to build a bridge. Now, Jesus and God had the intention of building bridges. That is why God is always extending God's self to us. Now, we talked about this famous bridge. Jim, look at that bridge. Mr. Curley, look at that bridge. Amazing. It missed the whole thing, did it? No. That bridge was actually built over the river. Years before Hurricane Mitch came over Honduras and literally changed the course of the river. <laughs> but the river is still there and the bridge is still there. So something happened that the bridge now needs to. This is the metaphor that we use for what's happening in the church. The church has shifted. I mean, society has shifted. There was a time that we were over the bridge, that we were on the bridge, and we were over that water. We knew what was on both sides. We knew we were the center of society. The church was. But the shifts in society came, the hurricane came, and now the bridge, the bridge is in one side, the church is in one side, and the society is another. So we need to rebuild bridges. And we were talking about building bridges. Uh, last week, we talked about building bridges to strangers. How to share God's love joyfully with those that God appoints in our way. The week before, we were talking about building bridges uh, all over to, to, to friends and, and families. But this week, I want to emphasize about building bridges to our hearts. Building bridges to our hearts. And it's interesting that if we look at the story of Babel, Babel was an attempt of humanity, of mankind trying to reach God. And God didn't let them. Because God had a plan dot. And that plan was that he was going to send the bridge to our hearts. 
in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. God initiates that bridge to our hearts. We cannot initiate that bridge to our hearts. How many of you have seen this painting? How many of you have had the privilege of laying down in the Sixteenth Chapel and just looking up at it? Praise God for those who have had that privilege. I want you to notice something very peculiar about the painting. I want you to look at the pose of Adam. How relaxed, laid back Adam seems to be. Look at that Solomon. Like he don't care. Look at the pose of God as depicted by Michelangelo. Stretched, concerned, reaching over. I want you to look at a detail of the painting. Look at those fingers. Whose really intention is there? See, Adam, how lifeless, limp his hand is stretched? See how God's hand is tense, stretched over? The Apostle Paul describes that as, we are sinners. And even, even, even knowing the truth, we can look the other way. But God, in God's amazing mercy, God stretches out his hand when we don't even want it. God stretches out his arm when we don't even want it to touch us, to transform us, to speak to us, to speak to our brokenness, to speak to our self-destructive behaviors. How many of you have self-destructive behaviors? Thank you for your honesty. Come on, buddy. You don't, you don't even know what that is. <laughs> if you don't do homework, that may be a self-destructive behavior for a kid. Not doing homework, right, Brandon? <laughs> oh, Grandpa laughed. Uh, the, the, the unhealthy pride, unhealthy pride, where societies or groups of people uh, think that we're better than others. In Puerto Rico, we think we're better than the Cubans. The Cubans think they're better than us. I think that happens in New York. What's in Jersey? And if I were in Ohio, with all my due respect, Madam James, what's across the river from Ohio? West Virginia. Uh, yeah, those tribal rivalries, which are foolishness. They can be fun sometimes, but they're really foolishness. And God is attempting to break away for us from all that, from prejudices, from shames of the past that linger in our souls and keep us trapped and enslaved to guilt. No. God is stretching out with, with a bridge of the Holy Spirit to tear that chains, those chains, to break away from your darkness, to break away from your brokenness, to mend that broken heart so that we can be not millionaires and famous people with a million point two followers in Twitter. No, so that we may be like Jesus. You see, the bridge that is built is built for a reason because whatever we say from our mouth, this is what Jesus said. In Matthew, this is the quote from Matthew 12.35, and Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? The people who thought they had it all together and they didn't need God. So out of the abundance of our heart speaks the mouth. 
Oh, was this a big psychological principle for us Christian psychologists? Out of the abundance of our heart speaks the mouth. Jeremiah says, who will know it? Who will understand it? Who will be able to go in the depths of the heart of humanity? Only the Lord. So in that secret area of our heart, I'm not talking about the surface, the tip of the iceberg. I'm talking about that 90% that we keep hidden down here that slips out when we say things that we offend others. And we say, we didn't mean that. Out of the abundance of the heart. Jesus said it in Luke in another context, in another way. He said the rich, the, the, the good man out of the good treasures of his or her heart will speak. The evil man out of the evil treasures of his or her heart will also speak out. The bridge that God has built towards our heart is for us to see ourselves as we are and to stop pretending. Because if we pretend we don't have brokenness, if we pretend we don't have prejudices, if we pretend we don't have shame, then the bridge is not being opened towards us. Then we're blocking the way of God's spirit to come and bring light, bring happiness, bring joy. Now, what are the bridges? There are innumerable kinds of bridges, people. I have the image as we go driving up a stale, up and down the east-west connector. I have the image sometimes of a whole bunch of burning bushes just along the way. God wanting to speak to me, and I'm just driving through. I wonder how many times we need to stop and reflect. Not only pray, but reflect on what we are really about. Not only about, you know, uh, have, having fellowship, having that little tea and, and cookies. And by the way, the brownies yesterday, I found out they had that maple stuff on it. Was that maple fudge? It, they were wicked. Wickedly good. But, but, you know, that's not really fellowship. Fellowship is, is if the person tells me the recipe. <laughs> because then that's authentic, right? I get something. No, but it's to have authentic fellowship. It's to really be with one another in spite of our pains. In spite, of, You know what I am reminded of? The way some of you were with Rebecca. Uh, Buck was reminding me this morning that every time he had to face, he knew he was going to be either a good one or a bad one. That, I was, that he was always going to be challenged. You know what? Did you pray for patience? Well, if you pray for patience, guess what? You're going to get the lab. Because God gives this to us, but then we have to exercise it. I didn't, have, I didn't fall flat in the back when I received patience. <laughs> I had a challenge with my kids when I asked for patience. Oh, because that's when we learn it. That's when we lab it out. That's when we work it out. So, yes, it's authentic relationships. Mentoring and coaching. Those are the new words, by the way, for counseling. Mentoring and coaching one another, sharing best practices in our lives, and, and engaging God's Word. Not just reading it, but listening to God's Word. I, I always say the Bible is the only book that comes with its author. Yeah, because as you're reading it, you're actually listening to the author. Did you realize that? It's not up here. That's the bridge. It comes with the author. And spiritual disciplines, meditating, doing the labyrinth, 
Lectio Divina. All those amazing toys and tools that we have so that God will build bridges to our heart. Are we listening? Are we engaging or are we just having our typical life of going out of church on Sunday and living our life and remembering Thursday? Oh, it's church again this weekend. How do I plan my weekend around that? You know, or is it a life experience every morning, every afternoon, every sun up, every sun down? Are you engaging God? Do you recognize God's voice? Uh, Man, don't answer that. It's not your wife's. But do you recognize God's voice in your spirit? By the end of this summer, my goal is that each one of us would grow into such intimacy with God that we would learn to recognize God's voice in our hearts. No. We're not going to become Pentecostals or Holy Rollers. No. We're going to grow into what Jesus and what the Father intends us to be with and relate with the Holy Spirit. Is that a plan? Is that a plan? Let's learn about who he is, not what it is. I once said that word, it, in relation to the Holy Spirit. And Dr. Jacqueline Rhodes said, what? It's a person, not a thing. He is a person, not a thing. I, I was translating from my neutral Spanish, and it didn't come out well in English. But I was stand corrected. Let's get to know the Spirit of God slowly, gently, because that is who God is. A God who loves us, who wants to commune with us intimately. And next week, we have communion. And we're going to celebrate communion with a great service, a great traditional service on the first day in the month of June. And we'll get to know the Spirit of God little by little this summer as God builds that bridge into our hearts one by one and all together as light of hope. Amen.